Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, antijpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Okay, I can't contain it. Huge announcement. Today, we launched the CoLoop Podcast Network. <laughs> we have six shows on the network. It's a creative podcast network, ranging all kinds of different creative mediums and industries. Obviously, Creative Pep Talk is on there. The other five you'll hear more about interdispersed with other podcasts that we're super thrilled about. Ryan and I sat down and we talked about what the podcast is all about, what you'll expect from it, what the heart behind it is, uh, what what our hopes and dreams are for it. And we're going to go into 10 podcasts that are, um, five of which are Colu podcasts, five are other ones that we're just also super huge fans of. And we're going to talk about specific episodes with specific tips, tactics, prompts, that will juice your creativity. Uh, I get asked all the time what my favorite podcasts are and how I get creatively inspired by them. And so this is the answer. So here it is, 10 super inspiring creative tips, tactics, and prompts from my top 10 favorite creative podcasts. If you wanna go check out the Kolu podcast while you're listening to this, go to ko-podcast.com 
co.co and you can see more. That's co-podcastsingular.co. Here we go. You're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast with... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this is Ryan Appleton, co-founder of CoLoop, and I'm here with... Andy. J- Andy J. Pizza. Also co-founder of CoLoop, and I'm turning the tables on him a bit to uh, take the reins and steer the podcast episode you're about to listen to, because we're chatting all things podcast. So I can chill out. This is the moment I've been waiting for. I love being in the, you know, you've, I've told you this a million times. I, that's why I like guesting on other people's shows is it's just a break. It's just like whenever I'm interviewing someone, I'm like, ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, and I've tried to figure out how to chill out a bit and I have gotten better at it, but I'm, I'm feeling really good knowing that you're in the driver's seat this time around. I'll do the best I can. Okay. <laughs> but I but I know uh, we have a bunch of exciting things to talk about. This is going to be a really great episode. So the the lift I have on you know, the weight I have on my shoulders is not significant. I I'm just equally as pepped to use yeah. your signature phrase to to share and uh, talk about all this cool stuff. So real quick, let's just, I'm just going to tell people what CoLoop is because they might have missed it on different episodes, just depending on which ones yeah, you listen I think that's to. Great. Uh, CoLoop is a artist representation agency, uh, and we represent artists in a bunch of different ways. And we're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, but this is something we launched at the beginning of 2020. We had no idea that that was the craziest year to launch anything. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but it actually went fantastic. And we always had all of these hopes and dreams of how to do artist management in a totally different way. For me personally, just so that it makes sense to people, like I'd started Creative Pep Talk over six years ago and I did it really to encourage artists to empower themselves uh, individually before anyone picked them, before anybody else championed them, champion themselves. And if you do that, you can go really, really far. But in my experience, I found that you will hit a ceiling. And that the only way to break through that next ceiling is going together. It's going with other people, people with different strengths and weaknesses, peers, uh, people like you, Ryan, who helped me offset all of my weaknesses as a creative. And so CoLoop became, on a missional level, just how do we create something that gathers a bunch of people we really believe in and share resources and help each other and help get to that next level. Absolutely. I mean, my background being from the artist management side, working in the industry for, you know, going on eight years, you know, over that period of time, building up this kind of my own internal philosophy on what was missing and what I saw as, you know, the primary artist need and where I saw the ability to kind of form a new kind of value system to provide that kind of support to, again, help them grow beyond what maybe is possible on their own. Yeah. And we had, we just had so many conversations of what that could look like because we saw the space of creatives, you know, thriving in this era 
changing so much and there not being a lot of support systems to help them thrive on a bunch of different levels. And so that's what CoLoop was. And a big part of that from day one was what we're announcing right now. Do you want to do the honors? Uh, sure. Okay. So as Andy said, you know, early 2020, we launched the artist management side of the agency with, with intentions to kind of grow beyond that initial foundation all along. And today we can officially announce the launching of the CoLoop Podcast Network. This is something we've been talking about as phase two since the beginning, launching a podcast network. And Ryan, even though we've we've always had, we've always talked in an excited way about all the different things we could do to serve artists uh, and help them thrive, Tell them how bad I wanted to do this. <laughs> um, really, really badly. Um, I mean, we can get into like the the origins of the precipice of how long we've been having these conversations. But just like the origins of a podcast network in general, it was kind of a no-brainer that Coloop would venture into that territory um, because it's, it, again, it's an extension of what all of the artists, you know, to some extent on the Coloop roster are doing. They're in the podcast space, yourself included. And I mean, at least since 2017, I don't know, for a few years, you and I have been talking about, does it make sense for Creative Pep Talk to join another podcast network? It was always this push and pull of being approached by the networks, us having conversations or debating on whether or not we start our own. But I feel like one of the things that Ryan gets to see by working with me super closely, so something I'm, I don't think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I... I feel unable to communicate on the podcast how moody I am <laughs> and, and how, you know, I am a, and it's kind of quintessential or cliche artist in that I am so emotional about all my decisions. I ride the wave, you know, last week, for instance, I was telling you how I hate pictures. I hate pictures. And then this week I'm like back in love with pictures. I haven't told you that, but it's just, that's just, that's normal. Right. And so, yes, early days, we talked about uh, a part of Coloop being a podcast network. So we could essentially represent podcasters or, or artists that have podcasts, but I, we went through a middle phase and a lot of ideas for me do this where there's this idea, it feels like a calling, and then there's a refusal of the call. There was a huge period of time over the year and over the past, you know, I don't know how long, where I really, really, really tried to figure out any way that we didn't have to create a podcast network or I or Creative Pep Talk could just find a different home. And, you know, I... I really let go of it many, many times. Well, yeah, and just in, in full transparency, which I know you know, but for the audience, for the listener, you know, I also struggle with that as well to some extent because, you know, my background being in artist management in a lot of ways that was viewed from a traditional lens, especially when I started out. And managing podcasts is not something, you know, that is typically handled. It's talked about in terms of commercial and advertising, illustration and design. So that's something that's new territory. And so I had to wrap my brain around what does it mean to manage a podcast? What does it mean to help represent a podcaster? Um, and we've, through our conversations over the last few months, year, um, I think we kind of had an epiphany on that front. Yeah, we did. And, uh, and before, I want to, I just want, I'm going to go circle right back to talk about why we had this mental shift of co-loop, uh, I don't know, 
four months ago, something like that, yeah. that really solidified we're ready to go all uh, pencils blazing. I I avoid the, any weapon word. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> we get pushed, away from that we pushed all of our, We're willing to push all of our chips yeah, to the podcast. To the podcast network from this breakthrough. But I just want to go back a little bit and say an, a big part of that building up was we had these conversations with other networks. We had explored all these ways of not doing this thing. And ultimately what happened was we just started to realize that over the past few years, we have learned so much about how to make a thriving podcast, how to do sponsorships in a way that uh, we feel great about, the sponsor feels great about, uh, how to grow a podcast, all of those all of those aspects. And I just realized that um, that although maybe we didn't need another partner, there's a lot of other podcasters that do. And I know I don't really like being educated, especially on like te technical stuff. And I just know so much about podcasting that I wish I didn't, that I got to do something with it. I'm like, this has to be more valuable than just making my podcast. We have to give it to other people. So we kept wrestling with it, kept wrestling with it. We're At the same time, we were looking at other spaces that our artists are in. We always believed that the one of the core values of, of uh, CoLoop was uh, – Artists that build their practice not on a trend, not on a even particular medium, but on artistic voice in that they know who they are and they do it on purpose, to quote Dolly Parton. Um, <laughs> I, that, and, and, and they can actually wear a bunch of different hats. And I think, you know, we're going to talk about some artists that do that, uh, but almost all of my favorite artists are able to kind of cross medium and, and all that kind of thing. And in 2021, more artists than ever, their thriving career depends on a thriving ecosystem, different ways of applying their artistic voice. And yet in the past, artist management only really handled one specific expression of a creative's work. And that ends up being just not serving them very well. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, because, uh, and so the realization we had was we're not necessarily starting a traditional podcast network in the way that um, someone would start one apart from other expressions from an artist. Mm -hmm. It's more that we are representing creators making podcasts. And that ended up coloring everything we did in terms of how we thought about this podcast network. We started seeing it as like, this is a creative podcast network. All the shows are about creativity. As you're going to see, we're going to go through some of the different shows today and then some other shows that we're, we just love. And uh, we're going to talk about, just talk, first of all, our love for creative podcasts, our, our love for uh, creator-led endeavors. And yeah, that that started to kind of shift how we thought about it because we're we're thinking about championing individuals um, making this creative expression in the same way that an agent would do so for an illustrator or a, a designer or what have you. Yeah, and I, I just want to jump back because you you mentioned like not a traditional podcast you know network, um, and and that's where I tie back to the idea of this being a no brainer. Like I think we would inevitably ended up here at some point, but having that epiphany, having that aha moment about 
how we think about representation and offering that extension of our services to podcasters the same way we do, you know, our core roster of artists is because we're also not a traditional artist management agency, right? Those core values and principles that we're built on in regards to like creative voice and diverse creative content was kind of, you know, always the ethos in which we approached everything, like yourself being a podcaster and an illustrator and a book author and a speaker, like all of our artists have that and we represent them to whatever extent they need. We're an extension of their studio. And so taking that same philosophy and applying it to podcasts, because these are creatives that one of their mediums of expression happens to be producing a podcast. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, uh, so so the shift ended up being that uh, because we talked about this in all these categories, including things like education, all of our artists do things in the world of education. And we kept feeling – I feel like there's no way around being explicit about this. So maybe we'll <laughs> cut it out. Maybe we won't. Um, but – we kept thinking about, does that mean that we have to create our own platform? Does that mean we have all these, you know, almost like an umbrella of businesses? And then we realized like, no, we're here to put the artists first. We're here to serve them in the way that they need to be served. We're here to represent them wherever they need represented. And we started realizing that all of these different arms, whatever they might be, all in some way are a form of representation, yes. podcasts included. And so- that was a big shift. That was the kind of, uh, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back of doing it. I don't, that's not a right expression, but that was the thing that pushed us over the limit. We're like, we're going to make this happen. And, and I think that uh, ultimately what pushed us over was this idea of giving what you didn't get. We've talked about this a few times, I think, since uh, probably every time you've been on the show. Because <laughs> I think that, that there is something about um, my involvement with CoLoop. You know, I think from the outside, it looks like, why did why does Andy want to create, why does he want to be a co-founder of an artist representation? Why, Andy? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why? Why? Because, and I think it's just all of our conversations have always gone back to, well, I wish that I had a rep that helped me in this way. And I wish that I had a podcast network that did this for me. And I wish I had a podcast network that was as invested as I was in pairing, partner, helping me partner with sponsors where the fit is something I believe in and we can work on multiple levels. And I believe in connecting them to my audience because I think it's actually going to help them. You know, those kind of networks, we had all these conversations I just thought, they don't, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And then I watched the, I have, you know, the people, our starting roster for the the launch of this phase, these are all people who are doing podcasts and I just watched them like hustling, doing it on their own, crushing it, but, but then also facing all of the same things that I face trying to get my podcast off the ground and just watching how like, is it just going to be time that, crushes them doing this on their own because you watched you watched me I didn't intend to talk about this but you watched me last year before I delegated some things and we fixed some sponsorship and then even way back before when I was handling all the sponsor stuff before we ended up partnering with that and you watched me nearly have a breakdown trying to <laughs> manage all this stuff um I shouldn't and, laugh at that <laughs> but it's tr it's funny cuz it's yeah. true well and 
in some way, like helping manage creative pep talks for with you and what that meant in terms of freeing up your bandwidth or mental energy to focus on other things, whether it's authoring picture books or focusing on illustration projects with clients. That was what I was cutting my teeth on as we were formalizing what this idea of a podcast network could be and really perfecting this structure of how we want to handle things differently for a podcast. And and we we codified that, we solidified that in a way that's, you know, without patting ourselves on the back too much, really successful for a creative pep talk. Yeah. And then go just to go back, it's it's giving what you didn't get. It's being able to offer this to other podcasters, being able to offer to this to the co-loop core roster of artists who want to start podcasts and just facilitating them spreading their creative voice in whatever way yes. they see fit. And I think, you know, listening to the audience saying, okay, I don't want to start a podcast network. What does this have to do with me? I just think that there is a there's a there's a shift that happens when you embody that mindset. And it's hard. I'm and I'm telling you, it took took me a year of fighting myself of a, a year long pity party of being like, why won't somebody just make this easy for me? And I think when you notice yourself of why aren't there any, uh, you know, people championing ADHD, why aren't there people being, uh, forward facing about, uh, being on the spectrum? Why are there, you know, all of the different things of that you can feel sorry for yourself about, which I suggest. I think it's part of it. You do need to go through and just wallow for a while. I'm, I wallow all the time. Ryan sees me come in. Sometimes I'm just grumpy as hell for I some gotta reason. I got to see how the pizza's made. You do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you see me wrestle with episodes and all in, in illustrations and all that. Um, but, but I think tapping into noticing when it's such an essential thing for innovation creativity is noticing your own personal pain points and then doing something about them before anybody else does. And that's what the podcast network ended up being. And I feel like once that fire was lit and we started, and then we started connecting with potential podcasters and diving into how brilliant they were. Like it just, it just lit me on fire and I'm so pumped do you want to tell them what we're doing here today? What the general idea of this is? Yeah, I can, I can set it up. Yeah. Um, we're going to be going through not only the podcasts that are, you know, launching with the Colu Podcast Network and, and sharing more about those, but really we're encompassing these 10 tips that you've pulled from some of your favorite podcasts, recent podcast episodes that you've listened to all within this creative spectrum, and we're going to chat about them. Yeah, I missed if you said this, but five of these are on our roster. Five of these aren't. They're all podcasts that we're super enthusiastic about. You know, the five that aren't, if they wanted to be on the list, I would <laughs> definitely say yes. I'd have to check with Ryan, but it's always like two submarine key turns at the same time. We both have to agree on stuff like that, but... but um. But every every podcast on this episode and on our roster are ones that I am deeply enthusiastic about and have been inspired by. And uh, and going back through these and preparing for this was so exciting and, and inspirational to me. And I want at the end of the episode remind me to kind of come back to that because I think there there's kind of a a big breakthrough that, you know, at the, yeah, last week I almost started crying when I was telling you about it. Um, <laughs> so we should, we, we should end with that. But yeah, that's the idea. We're going to go every other one. 
uh, starting with the Co-Loop podcast. And yeah, every one we're going to give you a tip, something that really, some little golden nugget that really jazzed me up. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Let's kick off this list at number one. Where are we starting with the top 10 tip list? I've kept it secret just to keep things interesting. And I thought we'll start at the top with art for your ear from the jealous curator herself, Danielle Krissa. That's I'm, a good one. I, it's a great one. I I love Danielle. She's one of those people where she had, I think the first time we ever talked, I was a guest on her show. And there's just one of those things where there was a, a, a just a clicking moment. I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of complimentary thing between Midwesterners and Canadians. I don't know. <laughs> but there was just something about like I instantly thought we were, were related. Like this is these are my people, and I every conversation I have with Danielle's great, and I love the way she has this. I feel like down to earth creatives. What's so great about it is they don't BS. They get into what is this really all about and why do I actually care? Whenever Danielle's talking about something, she's never doing so uh, out of some kind of pretentious putting on airs, trying to impress people, trying to get something. She freaking loves art and it's the same for me. And that that's, you know, that's the, the primary reason why I'm thrilled uh, is that I just love Danielle and I love all the stuff she and does. She's a two-time guest on Creative Pep Talk as well. Actually, right? only one, I think. Uh, but I have been on her show a bunch of times. So if you go into, if you're trying to look for a, a way in, uh, you can go check out the episodes that we did together. I'm especially proud of them. Um, she's a great host. Yeah, and I, I just want to second that because every conversation I've had with her, you know, over the last few months. That authenticity, that kind of down-to-earthness, just speaking from her heart about art and the podcast and everything she does, that comes through in spades. Like, it, even hopping on, you know, an initial Zoom call, you know, last fall, it, it was immediately clear to me how she would fit into the entire kind of co-loop atmosphere. Absolutely. I completely agree. And uh, the episode I want to talk about, so every, every one of these, we're going to go through the top 10 tips list. Uh, we're going to talk about a sp the, the show, the spe a specific episode, and then a specific takeaway from that episode that okay. personally spoke to me. And I've been – almost all of these are things like I'm wrestling with right now and they're getting my motivation up and, I'm, and it makes me excited about making stuff. So the episode I wanted to talk about is her latest interview with Wayne White. Do you know Wayne White? I do, yes. Okay. Do what was your did you are yeah I mean you're a pretty good you're a pretty big uh, Pee Wee Herman fan right I am yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a Pee Wee Herman doll in the office from you and yeah <laughs> I I was gonna say we shouldn't mention that it's weird to be a grown man who collects Pee Wee Herman dolls but that is true that's probably where I first became aware of his work um, from my you know my childhood love of Pee Wee Herman and you know continuing through my uh, adulthood so yeah I mean Pee Wee Herman is a the trippiest, weirdest thing. I remember the funny thing is, I feel like a, a lot of people when they talk about the show, that they, they're talking about it like, I could, I was, my mind was just like, what the heck is going on? And I feel like I felt like so at home watching. Yeah. <laughs> I just felt like 
this is right. This feels this feels good. And Wayne White, if you don't know, he did a bunch of the props and pu- puppets and a bunch of the creative stuff that they did. A lot of it was like homespun, like right. crafted stuff. And and that a lot of that was uh, Wayne White working on the show. He also is a painter and uh, animator. He's done all kinds. Of, he's had an amazing, inspiring career. And she had him on the show. Um, for the second time after like a five-year hiatus or something. Um, And highly recommend that episode. It was so inspiring to me. Just hearing his attitude about creativity is infectious. But on top of that, the thing that really got me is that he talked about – He's doing this puppet show thing in the pandemic on Instagram, or he had been. Oh, that's I don't, great. I don't know if it's on there. On I think like he wants to like take it to the next level, so he might have taken it down. I'm not sure. Um, but he was doing all these uh, all all these puppet shows, and he kind of realized while he was talking that puppet shows are a coping mechanism. He noticed, I think, by going through his story with Danielle that all of the tough times is when he started putting on puppet shows. Hmm. So like his tough times in college when he was uninspired, uh, tough times early days in New York. Um, he, he just realized like this is something he retreats to when the creative process of the stuff he's doing in his day job or, or whatever he's having to do to make ends meet is like really frustrating him that going and doing this thing on his own really helps him cope. And it, the reason I bring this up as a tip is I think it's a really good prompt to get to what is play for you? What would you? What do you do creatively that uh, just makes you come alive and you would do it whether you got paid? There's something about that endless fuel and that uh, that genuine expression that I think is the best of your creativity. And I was going to ask you, what do you think that is? Because I've been wrestling with it. I think I have an answer. But it's kind of an unexpected, and I don't, I don't know, kind of unexpected. What do you think that is for me? Oh, interesting. Yeah. So um, I want to know yours as well, because that's a more normal. <laughs> you're putting me on the spot to <laughs> but, yeah. uh, to judge you in that way, or yeah. or just critique you in that. You know, I'm not sure what is the thing you would do, regardless if you're getting paid or not. I mean, I mean, it's going to be a slash, but probably tell stories slash be entertaining. Like yeah. regardless if this microphone was in front of you or if you were sharing your illustrations on Instagram, I think you would do it regardless. You would do it without the audience. Yeah. And I think my, the, the I try to get it down because I think it's uh, – I encourage people listening. Try to boil it down to the most specific thing. And I think you're right about that. I think if I had to summarize it in one word, it's talking. Yeah. I love talking. And I and I looked back through all of the – I tried to zero in it with the prompt on the hard times of what do I do in the hard times to get through. And it's I, – I start calling people. I start calling people and having long conversations until I'm like through the roof. Like I can do – you know, Abby Jacobson, let's do this, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like I get – I have to do that. And there's something about, you know, whether it's talking on stage, talking in an interview, doing a monologue – I really and the, I think the thing that is uh, inspiring to me about working that out is that, and maybe this is true for other people, it might not be something that others even see as an art form. I don't Just think the ability to talk. Well, that, but whatever they have too. Okay, yeah. Like get. I think because it's really easy to look at Wayne White and be like puppet shows, and everyone's like 
amazing. We love that. And so it's great if your cope, your creative coping mechanism is something that other people already see the value in, but maybe they didn't. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe he was doing these puppet shows and cause he was doing them at like house parties in New York while he was <laughs> doing a day job, doing other stuff. And, uh, and maybe people were like, what, why is he doing this? That's not art. You, your cope, your creative coping mechanism might be something that you have to see as art before other people do. Yeah. And, and I think for me talking is just the the most rich creative medium to me. It's so flexible. It's so it's you know when trying to get at the ineffable. It's so slippery talking. Like it's very hard to nail down. Unlike writing, writing feels so like in in pictures even more so. I like that it. I feel like you can get at the ineffable in a way with words and talking. By because you can put it in the color of your voice and the d- tone and all that mixed with words. There's just so much you can do where because all the things I like in life are so hard to pin down. And if you really try to make them literal and non-abstract, you lose something in the process. But if you words, you can say the wrong grammar. You can like mess it up on purpose or not. All of it adds to the humanity. I just love it. I love I love talking. <laughs> yeah. So how would in the episode, do they get into kind of specific of like how does one find that for themselves? I don't think that they do. And and actually, I feel like one of the things I was going to say going through is I feel like it's really essential as a podcast listener to be – and I think people that listen to this show – they always pull out things that I didn't intend as tips and be like, that was the most inspiring thing. I was like, that's something I said on accident. What are you like? Yeah, what are yeah. you talking about? And so I feel like um, that's what's so great about uh, conversations like this. And there's a few other ones on this list that where, you know, you're going to take something totally different than they intend. Um, but really they're just telling his story and there's so much to, there's so much you can glean from just paying attention to that. Another one that I just was going to mention was um, they talk a little bit about synesthesia and how creative, this is something, you know, I think about a lot, how all creativity is almost an attempt to, um, uh, it's not synthesized, but you're trying to create synesthesia from something else. You're trying to create uh, a feeling or a thought or a smell or whatever it is with out using that thing without right. having that direct experience. And I was talking with a creative recently who was struggling with her personal taste. And she felt like, um, man, I'm a visual artist, but I'm so inspired. I'm mainly inspired by music. Like that's where my taste is, but I don't play music. So I'm really frustrated. Um, and I was sa- and I was saying, yeah, but one of the most interesting things you could do is to try to visualize how music makes you feel. Like make that synesthetic leap. And that is where dance comes from. Dance is a visual interpretation. It's like, this is what this song looks like. And it just, you know, can you, that's another one, but there was a bunch of stuff in there. That's great. Yeah, it was a great episode. So what, I I think that's that's super, I mean, that's inspiring to me, just talking through that, the idea of finding like a creative coping mechanism and realizing how powerful that can be for yourself. And also that could be something you pursue to develop, you know, professionally or outside that. What, what would you say to someone who has never listened to Danielle's podcast before? Like what is the, the, the sales pitch, the summary of like what they can expect? I think the, I think 
what I would say is that, first of all, I'm glad you said that because I wanted to make it clear that the Kolu Podcast Network is a creative podcast network. And when we say creative, we're hinting at that it's cross-industry. It's, you know, we have uh, poets, we have musicians, we have filmmakers, we have- Teaser. All over, I know. Yeah, it's a teaser, but it's all over the map. And um, so part, part, the first thing I would say is, first of all, I want to encourage all creatives to cross-pollinate with other industry podcasts because- some of the most, you can just see yourself from a different perspective when they're talking through a different medium. So, you know, I wouldn't be afraid of it if you're not a fine artist, but, but Danielle is more in the fine art world. And so it's especially good for those people who are really wanting to dive into that. And then uh, I think more than anything, she's kind of on a mission to make fine art more human and less pretentious and so if you love art but you're sick of the pretense this is your show amazing number two Number two is not a co-loop network podcast. We're doing every other remember. And this is Small Doses with Amanda Sales. Now, I've kind of told you about it, but I'm not sure you've listened. I, I haven't. I'm, I'm aware and I, I'm definitely going to dive in at some point. But yeah, I'm interested to hear more. The thing about this show is that I uh, had never heard of it. And I had some uh, creative pepperoni email me and say, you should definitely tell, check out this show. It's the only show that is similar to Creative Pep Talk in her mind. Okay. And I think that's mainly because a lot of episodes are monologues um, and a lot of them are – and then some of them are interviews. But they're really from this creator's perspective. If you don't know uh, Amanda Sales, she's a hilarious comic and thinker and – creator. She does a bunch of different things. She has a book out, but she's been doing this podcast for a long time. And uh, the reason I, so I'm a huge fan of the show, first of all. And if you like creative pep talk, I have a feeling that you will like this show. Although it's a totally different perspective, a different kind of take on creativity. I feel like our personality is really different in terms of um, I, I feel like Amanda's a lot more tough love than me, Okay, <laughs> which is, I need that a lot. And so um, it's a good compliment to the things you talk about and the tips you share on Creative Pep Talk. Yeah. And Amanda's, you know, um, also like, uh, on TV and all does all this amazing, crazy stuff. Um, but, uh, why, I, I would say any of the, any of the episodes are great. I would check out, there's a few monologue ones that I think are especially good. One of the ones that I was just listening to is side effects of all of the titles, by the way, start with side effects, side effects of interesting and uh, the side effects of creative process. She's talking about how she got to write the book. That's uh, inspired by her podcast of the same with the same title. And she's just in a similar way to the way that I think she's breaking down something that we kind of think of in big picture abstract and making it a lot more uh, literal and able to kind of hold on to it. So she's breaking down that episode into uh, 
how she had the idea to have a book and then what happens after you have an idea. Then you, are you excited about it? And then are, do you think, oh, could I pull this off? And then she's just like kind of going through the phases of cre making it an idea, bringing it to fruition. And it's just really great. But um, she's one of a handful of people that really changed the way I saw podcast. Um, both her and Johnny Pemberton and um, another podcaster on it that we're going to get to used different effects and different kind of um, sounds and theme songs. And they made podcasts in my mind more of a uh, more of an art form. And the the thing I wanted to share, the tip I wanted to share, was there's two ways to say this next phrase. And I think that they kind of change everything for your career. Okay. So here's the first way that I usually hear it when I'm talking with a creator who's struggling and and they don't know what to do next. And they they talk about some weird side passion or interest or obsession or or whatever that they just don't have anything. To, they can't do anything with it. And I'm like, why can't you? And they're like, well, no one in my industry does that. No one, no one in my industry does that. That's one way of saying that phrase. Mm -hmm. There's a totally different way, which is no one in my industry does this. Uh, that's exactly where I thought you were going to go. And I was hoping was the kind of tip you pulled from the episode. Yeah. Because that's where my, my, my mind went as well. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when I, when I, it was years into the podcast, someone showed me Amanda's show and I started listening to it. And I thought, man, I've been trying to make a podcast an art form. And here's someone doing that, that same thing. And we've reached these different conclusions. And we've, I just, I just felt like so inspired because listening to her show feels like this is a show just in the same way a TV show is a show. It's as legit, it's as crafted as it, it has as much personality, it has as much uh, production. It just feels like a thing, like art. Yeah. And I was just like, man, that's amazing. And it goes back to why I started a podcast. When I, when I started podcasting and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk about the, the business and the kind of actual spirit of trying to build a creative practice. You know, the the nuts and bolts of like, here's all the crap that's really hard, it gets in the way, you know, but it's completely necessary. And the more you lean into it, the better, marketing, all that kind of stuff. And then on top of that, the the soul crushing, the soul affirming, <laughs> the, you know, you put you're putting your whole self into this thing. And I and at the time, everybody in the illustration and design industry you know, the, the, they were either doing podcasts where it was just shop talk as an interview or, you know, and I wanted to do monologues, which nobody was doing. And the monologues, like talks at conferences were all portfolio talks. You know, they were all like, for the most part, just kind of like going through your portfolio and maybe you're telling your story a little bit along the way. But I wanted to talk about ideas and my heart and I wanted to spill my guts and all that stuff. And I felt like, and I put it off. Did I? T so I started in 2014. Do you know when I wanted to start it? 2012? 2010, actually. Oh. 2010. I wanted to start this podcast in 2010, except the way that I said no one in my industry does that was like the first kind. Yeah. 
That was the roadblock for you. Yes. It was like, I can't go on there and talk about business. No one in my industry does that. I can't go in there and talk about my heart and my emotion and my spirit and all that stuff. Nobody, no illustrator talks like that. Well, in, in 2010, you know, 2012, around that time, no one was pulling back the curtain in any way, really, let alone to talk about business and how you actually could make a, a thriving creative practice on on creative careers. Or right? yeah, but and I think of it both sides. And no one was talking about how, you know, they would go up on stage for the most part. There's exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, they go up on stage and be like, here's my shiny portfolio, shiny clients, this is how I crushed it. They're not talking about like laying face down on the living room floor and and feeling like you're spiritually dead. Like right. whatever that is. Um, and I wanted to do both of those things because those were the pieces to what it actually meant to make progress as a creative. And and eventually, I I didn't realize it at the time, but I shifted that from a roadblock to the only opportunity worth pursuing, which is nobody else is doing this. And uh, and as I'm listening to how Amanda approaches a podcast, they do all these sound effects and all this crazy stuff and. She just like really owns the monologue space. It just emboldened me when I discovered it. And every time I dip into that, I'm like, man, this is so good. And I'm excited to be a monologuer again. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's what I would say. There's another one. Uh, side effects of inspiration is also really cool. And um, just any of them, you're going you're gonna to dig it. I mean, you certainly made me want to check out the podcast. Um, I mean, that episode alone sounds super intriguing and it is something we're talking to artists about all the time is just that idea of like finding your unique voice and the unique fit you have what you have to offer is what you're sounding it sounds like that tip really is like if you have something unique to say don't realize that is a to your detriment um or if you're combining different skill sets and different mediums that is only a positive thing yes absolutely and it's easy to be self-conscious about stick standing out when that's the whole point of art. <laughs> uh, okay, small doses with Amanda Sales. That's number two. Awesome. Okay, we're working our way through this top 10 list, and we're on number three, which is another Co-Loop Podcast Network podcast. Correct. That's the way that the every other format works out. That's so the way counting we, works. Yes, counting. Um, number three is The Wandering Wolf with Yoni Wolf. Uh, the titular wolf. The, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Like the the when you refer to like the main character's name is in the okay. title, the Captain America, the <laughs> titular Captain America uh, is yeah. Anyway. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Yoni Wolf. For people that don't know, he has a band called Why, one of my all time favorite bands. It's the theme music at the start of every episode of this show. Uh, I got obsessed when I was in college. I was making rap music. Weirdly, you know that. I knew that, but I don't know if your listeners knew that you okay. made rap music. I was making rap. It was bad rap music, but it was like I was trying to do like something experimental. Uh, and I was I think it was just a outlet outside of the visual art I was doing for school. And uh and then I found Yoni Wolf and the band Y and I quit because <laughs> it was basically what I was trying to do it do, except he knew how to actually do it and it was amazing and it was just I was just so obsessed. Um, and, uh, and and so if you haven't 
heard their band, go check it out. It's highly uh, recommend. So good. Um, uh, Alopecia is their kind of um, was their breakthrough record, and that was the one I discovered in college. But everything they they've made before and since has been fantastic. I mean, I just want to note, irregardless of the podcast and the tips we're about to talk about. Yoni Wolf and, and Y is on constant rotation in the studio here. So yes, okay. So the the Wandering Wolf podcast. Uh, I love this show. It's a music podcast. He's mostly interviewing indie musicians that are friends or or bands that come through, but they're all bands that he's fans of. Uh, and and I what I love about this and why I'm like I see so much potential for how needed this show is. It really reminds me of, he kind of reminds me of the Mark Marin of the indie music world where he's a indie musician in his own right and, and a respected one and acclaimed one. And so he's coming with kind of the insider baseball. That's a, <laughs> that's a thing, right? Okay. Ryan likes baseball. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and he's kind of talking with some authority on that, but but also I feel like musicians have a really hard time opening up about their practice. I think we're going to – kind of the point that I want to pull out of this is about um, intuitive art forms and how it is hard to kind of articulate. It's always hard to articulate and, and, and uh, dissect creative things um, without them dying on the table. Uh, and I think musicians especially – uh, have a hard time opening up about their practice, why they do what they do, um, you know, whatever. And I think that actually used to be true for comedy. Now, we don't think of that now because, you know, there's so many com great comedy podcasts, but it used to be like, don't talk about the jokes. Don't talk about how you do it. Don't talk, you know, or, or you'll forget how to do it. You'll break it down. Creatively, you'll get stuck. Well, and to tie it back to design and illustration really quickly, I think that's kind of what we were talking about in terms of, you know, when you wanted to start a podcast that seeming to be like anti to the norm, illustrators, designers didn't talk about what was behind that curtain. They didn't share the inside baseball. Yes, absolutely. And and so I think music is still there. Uh, and I feel like uh, Yoni's podcast has potential of breaking that open a little bit because in my opinion – the deconstruction of the creativity is a kind of valley. When you get into that zone where you're really trying to focus on the mechanics and figure out how do your heroes do what they do, how do they, how do you create an emotional response in somebody with, you know, notes on a on a guitar or you know drawings on a page? Like once you start deconstructing it for a season, it does start to fall apart, and you do kind of you start overthinking things. But I feel like all the greats go through that valley and and even down to individual pieces of work, but then also on a great, grander scale in terms of their overall journey. And so I want to encourage, let's talk about the practice. Let's wrestle with it. Let's face, look at dead in the eye instead of trying to, you know, attack intuition and, and your muse, at, you know, cut him off guard. Like, I, I think that there's something about that that I'm just huge about. And he's done He's like doing super interesting stuff in that space. The episode I want to talk about is with a band, um, uh, the lead singer of the band Hop Along, which I was already a fan of. Um, it's indie, but she kind of sounds like Natalie Merchant. It's like 90s uh, alternative uh, <laughs> rock, like Sheryl Crow, Natalie Merchant mixed with like Modest Mouse. Okay. Super into it. I'll show you. You haven't heard that. I don't think we've. Ever I, I haven't. To it. So Yoni um, 
has her on the podcast and they're talking about this idea of Creative Valley. So what they're talking about uh, is uh, the, the thing that they brought up that I was inspired by is they were talking about how Drake tests his own music, how he gets high on his own supply. They don't use that phrase. I, that's my phrase. But I'd forgotten about this and I didn't know. So I'd heard that Drake says he's trying to make music to listen to while you're driving at night. Right, like that's that's his vision for his practice. But I didn't know that he actually, after he makes music, drives around at night and listens <laughs> to it to try to feel. He's it practicing like, what he preaches. He yeah. says, "This is what I'm trying to do." He needs to test it out. Tested himself, and so the reason I love that. So they talked a little bit about that, um, and they generally, I feel like, were trying to wrestle with both them approach their lyric writing in a kind of poetic way. And although there's a bunch of mechanics to poetry, there's also a lot of like stuff you can't nail down, you can't quite explain why you do what you do or how it works, how it works. There's an intuitive uh, kind of level to that. And I love that tip, the Drake thing, because that's saying, I can't tell you what I'm trying to do in my music, but I can say I kind of want it to hit in the way that music hits when it just feels so right when you're driving in cars at night. That's super interesting. So there's still a, an element of secret sauce and intangible, but if you can develop some kind of target or some kind of litmus test to which you can gauge that intangible against, that gives you, that makes it more actionable. Yes. And I think, uh, so my takeaway from that and what I'm trying to encourage our listeners to do is write that line, that elevator pitch for your stuff and then test it. You know, when I'm, one of the ways I kind of do this is uh, I've been designing a lot of t-shirts. I've been trying to just get good at that. And what that's meant is designing a bunch and then wearing them all the time and actually feeling what that feels like and when would I want to wear them and what do I want it to say when I wear these? Like, what am I trying to communicate? And I think what it came down to, it took forever for me to figure this out, was that it's like a boyish cool. It's just like <laughs> what you thought was cool before you knew cool. Like yeah. there's something about on the nose cool that just makes me want to puke. Like I just, I can't deal with like edgy stuff. It's just not my cup of tea. And so there's something about playful cool, you know, like snakes, swords, wolves, lighters, wizards, wizards dragons. There's just something about all that. That If you were looking at a Polaroid from you in middle school, you want to say, that kid was cool. Yeah, I would go back a little bit further than that. <laughs> but yes, yeah, that. And so that's my that's my takeaway. If you're, you know, a lot of visual artists, it's an intuitive thing. So you're what you need to do is you need to actually listen to your body. I'm using, that's the language of Lulu Miller. We had her on the show. Uh, she's the co-host of Radiolab. But that's how you test something that can't be explained is just a, did you feel it? Did it hit you yeah. on a deep level and, and create that, define that marker. Um, and they, they kind of, and I just, I just loved hearing them kind of talk around. They also talk about Astral Weeks, uh, Van Morrison and what that record feels and sounds like. And it's very, it's an intuitive, inexplicable thing, but the way they talked about it made me want to dive back into there. One of my all time favorite songs on there and it just like build, it's called Sweet Thing. It just builds the whole time. To me, if I had to tell you what it feels like, it feels like what I imagine if there's a heaven, what it feels like when you step in. It's just like, okay. it just gets better and better and better. And it's just the tension of the emotional rise is forever because it, it never breaks. Anyway, that's the kind of stuff they're talking about. Yeah. And I, I mean, 
I, what I think is so powerful about that tip is that it transcends medium. It transcends the form of creativity. Um, but it, it's kind of encouraging again, no matter what kind of creative you are, or whatever practice you have. Um, and I think that's super cool. Just in terms of what we're building with the Kulu podcast network, Yoni kind of fits in that mold in the same way that this tip that you're pulling from his podcast does, right? He's a musician. We don't have any other musicians on the podcast network right now, but it's a creative network. Yes. And I think, uh, highly recommend it. Bunch of other uh, great episodes. He interviewed Lord on there. That's a really good one. Um, uh, There's a few others that, oh, Frankie Cosmos, Japanese Breakfast. Um, Also, Johnny Pemberton, I think, who was on this, who was on the show. I think he did an episode. Duncan Trestle. All kinds of really great ones to check out. Highly recommend it, especially if you're into indie music. Um, uh, Yeah, let's leave it there. The Wandering Wolf. The Wandering Wolf. Four, let's keep up this momentum. What is the next tip? Okay. It's not the, no, the next podcast. We have to start. What's the next podcast and what's the next tip? (laughs) And then we'll go to the next tip. Good one. Uh, the Good One Podcast by Vulture with host Jesse David Fox. Have you ever listened to it? I have not. You're not a huge comedy guy like I am. Correct. That's uh, a nice way to put it. <laughs> you, you don't seek out comedy, but Correct. you, lo- you, you like I do a good enjoy laugh. comedy. I like to laugh. I watch comedy movies, but I don't I don't seek it out. I can attest he can chuckle with the best of them. I don't judge him, but um not that anybody would. Nobody likes it like I do. Um but uh Jesse David Fox. So uh, this is just this. This is not a Kolu podcast, but I am such a huge fan of this show. It's you know nuts and bolts, talking chop, mechanics, break, deconstructing particular jokes from standups. Okay, and so they'll be like most of the time it's like a quintessential joke from from a famous standup comedian, and they'll play it, and then they'll talk about like. How did you come up with that? What was the, you know, what was the conception point of that? How did you, what different phases did it go through? All that kind of stuff. I'm a sucker for that in any medium. Classic comedians or current? All. Or, okay. It goes, it goes the spectrum. We're going to talk about a classic one. Um, but it, there's tons of, uh, you know, up and comers even and, and people I hadn't heard of that I discovered through this podcast. I love it because... One of the things that I think makes an incredible podcast host is someone who is not afraid to be pedantic. There's some secret, like I think I've heard Ira Glass talk about like, um, or Alex Bloomberg just saying like, ask the same question three times. If if they if you ask them and they give you the canned answer or they you know or they avoid it like a lot of times there's just something that happens when you're like hey can we just zoom in there like especially in creative stuff because again so intuitive a lot of times it's hard to nail it down but when you try interesting things happen and so there's lots of times where Jesse will zoom in on a particular punchline and be like where did that come from. What and and the the comic will have to stop me like ah where did that where did that come and from? it's How only through that... that conversation and like talking through it do they have the realization or can put it into words yeah the the micro of the creative process is so rich and it's so avoided by so many creatives you know going there and so for a bunch of reasons I get it but on the outsider as a consumer 
I just feel like it's the most educational and it's the most inspiring to me when we when someone it, and the and the reason why I point that out is because being that kind of interviewer, uh, it really challenges you because you're usually interviewing people that you want to like you, you want to impress them, you know. So so pushing them or or you know circling back or or at the risk of being annoying, that's that takes someone dedicated to it. And he he does a great job of that. Um, but here's the episode we're going to talk about. What comic do you think I'm going to pick? I have no idea. <laughs> um, I mean, if I had to make a educated guess, maybe Jerry Seinfeld. That's a pretty good guess. I thought you were going to say James A. Caster because, you know, I'm a huge James A. Caster fan. I don't think he's on the show yet, but he definitely should be. I'm actually going to go with Sinbad. Okay. Not, not the <laughs> choice I, I would have guessed. Obviously. Okay. Sinbad, and the reason why is this was such a huge this this created a new kind of core value of mine, and the core value is go find people like you doing things you didn't know you could do. It is a way of releasing you from limiting beliefs in such a powerful way that nothing else nothing else has this impact on me. When I meet people who are existing at a higher level than me and I can tell they're exactly, I'm just like them. It just change like that change is like how much money you think you can earn, how, you know, what you're capable of as a creative, what you're capable of in terms of discipline, what all the different, all the different areas where we have these fixed mindsets, it just breaks it off. And Sinbad is very ADHD and they talk a lot about it. When I hear someone with ADHD talking, it is the most soothing sound. It is the most, it makes me feel like, you know, my particular type of crazy is not my fault, first of all. Like, it's not like a thing that if I just slowed down or, you know, there's nothing I can do. Right. It's, the, it's a way a brain works. Here's the evidence. And not only that, that brain can actually be an asset. So listening to Sinbad talk about his approach to comedy, which is very different, uh, was huge for me because he goes on stage with almost no material ever. And there's something about there's something about the writing on stage practices of comics like this that is a way of getting around the ADHD procrastination. Throwing you in the deep end. Be like, yeah. all right, make something. You have no other choice. You're on stage for 40 minutes. There's just something. And then, and let's just build on that. Let's just roll that, snowball that over time. It's just a hack on how to make myself actually make stuff, right? Um, so that's a big part of it. But I have another part too. Well, I, I just want to say, I think there's a nice through line or callback to the tip from Amanda's podcast on if you realize that you want to do something that no one else in your industry or your profession does. That's actually a perk. This is kind of similar in the way that like, find people that are similar to you um, and that are doing things that are completely different and use that to empower yourself. Especially in that especially works well looking to other industries, you know, going back to the fact that, yeah, even if you're not a comedian, even if you're not a musician, whatever, listen to these other podcasts because you're going to find people like you doing things in other industries that are total faux pas in your world. And that's actually going to give you your unique selling point. Yeah. And so that, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. The other thing, um, the other thing that I love about this episode that I've been thinking a lot about is Sinbad 
at least pre-COVID, is just crushing it in Vegas, okay? And what is great about that is I've been – you're going to hear more and more content about this. I'm ma- working on some other stuff behind the scenes, but – With Sinbad? <laughs> <laughs> I really wish that was true. Um, you know, Sinbad is a part of uh, one of the, what's it called when people think that there's a other universe um, that split? Like a multiverse? Yeah, but like, you know, like Berenstein Bears thing? Yeah, yeah. There's one involving Oh, the Man- Man- Mandala effect? Yeah. There's one with him. Everybody should go later and check it out Absolutely. because a lot of people- <laughs> That's a can of worms, but yeah, we can talk <laughs> yeah, about that. We won't go there, but-, um, but uh, one of the things that I loved thinking about Sinbad crushing it in Vegas is I didn't even know he was working. I, yeah, okay? I had a similar realization actually. Them talking about him on another podcast. So, and, and, and what what made me so inspired by that is that stand up comics. I'm always learning from them, not only because I'm a fan, but also because they're like one one person sufficient in terms of they're not waiting to get casted. They're not waiting for someone to give them permission. They know a particular type of value and how to produce it for an audience straight to them. They don't need anybody else's permission or validation to do that. And I really believe that that is the firmest foundation for a creative. No matter what you do, even if a big part of your practice is B2B, actors, illustrators, they need to be cast by a director, a director, an art director, a casting director. They're waiting. And so – Develop, even if it's your weaknesses, you will learn so much and you will become so much uh, less dispensable if you'll learn the writing portion or the, the other portion so that in some way you can deliver value straight to your customer. Have that B2C side of your business. And that was where I really started thinking about it was Sinbad. It's like, this guy's crushing it. He doesn't even need, he doesn't need the whole world to know about him. He knows yeah. how to show up into a room and make a bunch of people laugh. People will pay for that forever. That's great. I'll just say real quick, go find Gary Goldman has a big bit on Trader Joe's. That's great. But he also is famous for sharing comedy tips uh, every day on Twitter. And they go through a bunch of cool stuff on that episode. Jenny Slate episode was I freaking love. I love Jenny Slate. Seems like a kindred spirit to me. When she said that her brain feels like spirited away. I have never felt more seen. Never. <laughs> that is exactly how I would put it. When I watched that movie, I was like, oh, this is like, this is like the, the, uh, dr- my dreams. This is how my dreams feel. And I never can articulate it. Um, Rhea Butcher is another one. Anyway, they're all really good. I mean, this podcast sounds great, even from a person that, you know, generally steers away or doesn't seek out comedy, but it sounds so much up your alley. But I think mainly from the part of just dissecting the creative process and finding the quirks within there, finding what works and what doesn't and and maximizing, you know, a, a strategy around that idea. So not a co-loop podcast, but a phenomenal one, even though the a good one podcast by Vulture with Jesse David Fox. Top tip number five in another Kolu Podcast Network podcast. What are we talking about today? We're talking about Meg Lewis's podcast, Sit There and Do Nothing. Uh, Obviously, Meg Lewis is a Kolu artist on the the roster that we've already launched. 
We're both huge fans of Meg as an artist and especially as a person. One million percent. Uh, we, <laughs> I love her. She, I feel like she's a lost, long lost family member for me. I really <laughs> do feel like that. Um, the first, you know, we had our first uh, speaking gig at a conference at the same conference. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I think I can't. I think she went on before me, and she was like passing out. I think Olive Garden breadsticks. Absolutely. And I remember That's just true. being like, yeah. this person. And I ran <laughs> up to her afterwards. I was like, you're going to be huge. You're going to be huge. See? Like, I was just like, I, this is, I love it. I, I was so, such a fan. And I, and, and I, I was really deeply inspired by, this was a point in her career where she really was like coming into her own in terms of owning who she was. And I remember just feeling, I think what's interesting, her and I were just having a conversation. I don't think she'll mind me saying this about how um, both of us have had to overcome like gender stereotypes in our creativity. And I think just watching her do that inspired me to push that further for myself and just be more myself. I think this is, I don't know, maybe very vulnerable, but I think that my... I'm very emo. I'm very expressive. Um, I don't like most typically conventionally masculine things. Um, and I think that uh, that can make some people uncomfortable. And yeah. I feel like she, I've watched her and she's just a hero of mine over the past couple of years, especially the more and more she gets out there, just the, the more she deals with crap around gender roles and all kinds of things. All kinds of stereotypes. Yeah. I would, and, you know, podcast aside, which we're obviously talking about sit there and do nothing, but I think that's the most inspiring part of what Meg does every day in her creative practice and, and just in her life is fully embrace who she is and what makes her personality unique. Um, and she expresses that. And I, I realized that was a, a process, right? She didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to reveal my entire self to the world. But what she's been able to do over the last few years and really kind of open up and and tackle some of those stereotypes or or just fully be comfortable sharing sharing that with the world. I think that's inspiring. Very inspiring. And the episode I pulled out, I'm not pulling out a tip from it. <laughs> I'm going to pull out a different tip that I learned from Meg, but uh, I'll just mention it real quick. Have you listened to the Scatman episode? You know, I have not. <laughs> it's okay. So what it is, um, sit there and do nothing uh, right now. And I think it's an ever-evolving podcast. Um, is a a meditate. It's a really weird Venn diagram that again is no one in my industry does this. Maybe no one in the world has done this, which is a Venn diagram of mindfulness, meditation, and comedy. And but they're both done genuinely. That's what's so like I like. Can you? I think she just kind of wanted to say, can you do mindfulness? through the and have a good time like does it have to be somber you know it reminds me kind of have you heard of yoga laughing yeah okay i love yoga laughing i love the concept of it i love doing it just forcing yourself to laugh Uh, i'm not gonna don't i'm not gonna (laughs) we're not doing that here right now but there's something about yoga laughing that i feel is synonymous with uh, Meg's podcast. The episode I uh, that I brought up, Scatman, is her in a soothing voice reading the lyrics of the 90s hit, Scatman. And uh, it has the effect of, first of all, it is genuinely soothing. And then at the same time, it has the feeling of a fun house. 
which is kind of both you're like laughing and then at the same time i was getting visuals of like uh you know the scene in charlie and the chocolate factory when they're going through the tunnel and you don't know if this this is heartfelt funny or Scary. insanity um that's kind of what it felt like but it's a ride it's a ride all the episodes are like that and they're all super funny and and I, I think she's doing some really interesting creative stuff there. Yeah, and I, I think that Venn diagram is is really just kind of that overlap of Meg's personality as well, right? Like she's taking soothing or like approachable, authentic, and pairing that with loving to laugh and being outspoken and, and just those kind of elements of being – uh, a fun house having fun, right? And, and and I think also the fun of the journey within. Yeah. She's someone who I've learned so much about finding myself from her. She really works in the space of branding, but that can sp span from – first of all, I think she takes – a more holistic approach to branding than anybody I know. It's always a deeper, it's more about finding yourself either as a brand or as a person with a personal brand. And, uh, and she's made a big impact on me in terms of finding that for myself. One of the things she said, the tip I wanted to bring up was actually back from the first time I had her on the show. And I asked her how, you know, what's the first thing you would ask someone to do if they want to take finding themselves seriously. And do you remember what she said? Do you know? I do, but relay it to the audience. Okay. <laughs> she said, she said, start with your faults. Start with the things that you're insecure about. And I thought that was so brilliant. And she said, then flip it. Because every fault, every, every weakness has a strength. They're, they are, they always work in tandem. And What's amazing about that is I think it hacks the way our brains work. I think our brains are wired not for thriving, but for surviving. That because they evolved back when you were going to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or be ostracized from the tribe and, and die based on whether you made the right choice. Everything was life or death. And so I think our – I know our brains are wired to highlight the times when people in our community – diss us, highlight something about us that is uh, negative. And if you think about those things, you can see the flip side and you can see that there's a bunch of times where people in your community highlighted the positive aspect of that, but you forgot it. Yeah. And so go ahead. What I, you say? I just, I had my own epiphany with you relaying that tip from oh, Meg and uh, it kind of caught me off guard, but uh, you know, without getting too much in the nitty gritty, I think that same was that same idea was true for me. You know, a number of years ago, when I first started out in the artist management industry, I got the feedback that I was too personable. I I let the relationships with the artist or the nature in which I handed handled a project be too. I was too involved in that way, and that was kind of reiterated to me as a weakness. And I think over the years that actually became the strength and one of the you know, foundational bricks of what Coloop is. Yeah. The opposite of too personal is relational. Yeah. And that's one of our core values. <laughs> and so I had the, I had a similar one where um, I've told this story on the podcast before, so I'll make it quick, but I had an art director in my early days say, you know, when I want to like fill a page, 
just like mindlessly mm -hmm. from top to bottom, I hire you. And I was like, Psh. like he was saying it to hurt me. I was hurt. And I thought, oh man, I got to get subtle. I got to, you know, where's the nuance? Where's the white space? I need to just, you know, flood this thing. And I ended up going on this tangent of being something I wasn't for a long time, trying to offset this uh, so-called weakness, which yeah. in, in actuality, the opposite of subtle is attention grabbing. Um, and I'll, guess what? A lot of clients want that. In fact, it's what I like. I like loud stuff. I'm very loud, generally. Um, and uh, and it's actually a, a super huge strength. And so that was the thing that um, – and actually, you know, I feel like go check out, sit there and do nothing. Uh, I, I think it's a study of someone loving themselves and embracing everything about them. And, uh, and even just through osmosis, it always encourages me to do the same. In bigger ways. Yeah, and I, I think that Meg embodies that philosophy in her podcast um, and all of her work and everything she does again. And uh, and for that reason, I think it's one – it's because of that that it's the first podcast that we've had transcend that gap of, yes, Kulup represents her. She is an, an artist on the core roster, and she's also a member of the podcast network. Yep. 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 <laughs> Great. That's it for this episode. The next five will drop tomorrow. Go check it out. It's going to be the first ever time, I think, that we've released two episodes in one week, but that's a special week, and we wanted to do with these justice. Uh, I, I am so pumped to give you the next half, but before we go, I just wanted to say, diving into these podcasts uh, again and preparing for this in kind of an intensive way over the past um, couple weeks... It actually did my soul so much good. And, and I just wanted to leave you with one freebie tip. I guess this is kind of going to be the 11th tip. But um, if you are struggling with burnout, consider, uh, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're struggling trying to make new fans and you're, you're burning out on that, maybe consider just setting that down and becoming a fan again. You know, becoming a fan of these podcast and diving in over the past couple of weeks again has just made me enthusiastic about making stuff in a way that I haven't felt in a long time. And it just felt so good to celebrate other people's work instead of getting so burdened by my own practice and in my own ideas. And it just felt great about getting enthusiastic about other people and uh, maybe you need that. Maybe you just need to quit worrying about making fans and, and become a fan again so you remember why you got into this thing. It was healthy for me. It was, it was a reset. So hope you, hope you all love this episode. I'm very deeply enthusiastic about it, um, <laughs> as you've heard. Um, don't forget to go check out the podcast, co-podcast.co to check them out. And if you're looking to sponsor one of these shows, uh, go see what might be a good fit. And there's information about that too. Check it out, co-podcast.co.
Huge thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. Thanks for uh, to Ryan for being a co-host on this episode and uh, for all the assistance with the network and, and sponsors and content stuff. Thanks to Sophie Pizza for uh, <laughs> my, my wife for content assistance, moral support and all that. Um, thanks to Jordan Aaron for editing the show and thanks to you. And until we speak again, stay pepped up.